Welcome to The Daily Cut, a podcast of Park Community Church. I'm Kim Cook, Associate Director of Women's Small Groups at our Lincoln Park location. Throughout this season, we wanted to create something consistent that would help add even a little sense of rhythm to life. And so to do that, we've altered our use of this podcast. And instead, we'll be posting a short devotional every day. We hope you'll join us and we'll enjoy listening. This is The Daily Cut, and I'm Kim Cook. Hey friends, I'm so glad to be with you on this podcast. Today, I'll be continuing in our Philippians series, sharing from Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Let's begin by reading through those two verses. So Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is a great example of why we must read a passage in proper context. When we pull individual lines or verses with no regard for context, it's easy to misinterpret. I know for me personally, this passage has caused apprehension in the past because I zero in on one line in verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Taken on its own, with no regard for the surrounding context, it's easy to come to wrong conclusions. What is this saying? That I have to earn my own salvation? Does fear and trembling mean there is uncertainty on the outcome of salvation? No. Let's dig in and see why these misconceptions are wrong and why this passage is an incredibly encouraging word of hope. Let's reread verse 12. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's important to note that this is addressed to believers. This exhortation is for those who are already followers of Christ. This is not instruction on how to obtain salvation. Paul is writing to the saints. That's how he begins this letter in chapter 1 of Philippians. And in this particular verse, he calls them his beloved. He is writing to people who already possess salvation. You can't work out your salvation if you don't already possess it. Paul is very clear, both in this letter and others, that he believes salvation is received by grace through faith. It is helpful to consider salvation as a past, present, and future reality for all believers. Salvation is a past reality. We have been saved. This is our justification, our adoption as children of God. It's a result of our union with Christ and is true at the moment of salvation. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved, note the past tense there, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Salvation is also a present reality. We are being saved. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, we read, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, note the present tense, it is the power of God. The process of salvation is ongoing so that it is a present reality as much as it is a past reality. The Holy Spirit indwells us the moment we are saved and begins to produce change in our lives so that we become more and more like Jesus. This is an ongoing work, a daily growth in holiness. 
This present process of spiritual growth is called sanctification. Having been once for all declared right in God's eyes, we have been freed from our guilt and now can begin to slowly but continually be freed from sin's power. And salvation is a future reality. We will be saved. In Romans 5, 9, Paul writes, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved. See the future tense there? Shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Salvation's future reality points forward to our upcoming glorification. Glorification is a future work of God in which the dead will be raised, we will be freed from the corruption and presence of sin, and our bodies will be fully redeemed as we enter God's presence. In the next chapter of Philippians, in 321, we read that Jesus will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. That is part of glorification. So there is a past, present, and future tense of salvation. Working out our salvation, as Paul writes about in Philippians 2.12, is referring to the present tense, to the process of sanctification. The Greek verb that's translated work out means to produce, to continually work to bring something to completion. We do this by actively pursuing obedience in the process of sanctification, which Paul describes further in the next chapter of Philippians. He describes himself as straining and pressing on toward the goal of Christ's likeness in Philippians chapter 3. So what do we do with that line about fear and trembling? Paul can hardly be encouraging believers to live in a continuous condition of nervousness and anxiety. It was just a couple weeks ago that Amber Smith was on this podcast sharing from later in Philippians in chapter 4, where Paul writes to not be anxious about anything. The Greek word that's translated fear in this context can also mean reverence or respect. Fear and trembling is the attitude Christians are to have in pursuing this goal, a healthy fear of offending God through disobedience, and an awe and respect and reverence for his majesty and holiness. Okay, let's take a look at verse 13 again. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Working out our salvation is the result of God's work within us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Even the desire to do what is good comes from God. Salvation from start to finish is God's work. It is only possible to work out our salvation because of God's presence and power in our lives. He is the one powering this whole operation. He never intended to save us and then leave us on our own to try to live out the Christian life. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to help us, and to empower us. This is our how-to and our great hope. It is God who works in us to will and to work for His good pleasure. And we have confidence that God will finish this work. Earlier in this very letter, in chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writes, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Not only in our spiritual birth, but throughout the whole process, God must be the energizing power of the Christian life. Fun fact, our English word energy comes from the Greek word that is translated work in verse 13, energeo. We cannot live the Christian life in our own strength or effort 
but must walk each day in the power of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to living out the Christian life, we can easily stray to one of two extremes. Perhaps we hear the amazing truth that God is the one who works in us and say, okay, I can disengage because if God's going to do it, he's going to do it and doesn't need my effort. We may approach our sanctification passively and emphasize God's role in our growth at the expense of our own action. A passive approach could look something like this. Yeah, I know I'm called to be patient with my son and my husband, but God just hasn't grown that fruit of patience in me yet, so this is what they get. This is just who I am. It's just the way I'm wired. We can't excuse our laziness or lack of obedience by saying, well, God didn't move me to do it. Now, on the flip side, we may emphasize self-effort at the expense of relying on God's power. Emphasizing self-effort could look something like this. All right, in this season of self-quarantine, I'm going to read all those Christian books that have been sitting on my shelf, catch up on my Bible reading plan, do an act of kindness every day, and donate money to various causes, but neglect to depend on God in any of those spiritual activities. While we may be prone to one extreme more than the other, we are all susceptible to either error. Paul calls his readers to live in such a way that avoids both extremes. And to be honest, I can't fully wrap my mind around this, that we are both called to actively participate in this work and yet are utterly dependent on God for the work. And yet scripture clearly declares it. So we must hold in tension these two seemingly contradictory truths, that salvation from start to finish is God's work. And also working out our salvation requires diligent action on our part. There's a helpful illustration of this in Jesus' ministry. In Matthew chapter 12, there's a story of a man with a withered hand. Jesus approaches him in the synagogue and says, stretch out your hand. And this man stretches it out and it's completely restored. Clearly, it was Jesus' power that healed him. Yet also, this man obeyed Jesus when Jesus told him to stretch out his hand. It was a humanly impossible command. But the man took a step of obedience, and Jesus empowered him to do it. That's in Matthew 12, verse 13. God did the miraculous work, yet the man was called to action as part of that miracle. So for us, what does it look like to practically work out our salvation with fear and trembling? Well, first, we need to acknowledge our utter need for God. We need him to do this work in us. In fact, we need him to even have the will or desire to obey. Acknowledge this and thank him that he provides a way. Let this truth humble you and increase your view of God. Second, we ask him for his help. Ask him to give you the desire to please him today. Pray his words back to him. Lord, you say it is you who works in me, both to will and to work for your good pleasure. Would you align my will with yours? Help me desire to please you above all else. Help me follow through with action and grow more and more into your likeness, Jesus. And third, obey. We work out our salvation by actively pursuing obedience. How do we know what to do? God has revealed so much of his will for us in his word. This means we need to read it, know it, and do it. In the book of James, James tells us to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. 
And this is a continuous flow, not some step-by-step process where we just do one, two, three, and we're done. We don't acknowledge our need once and then spend the rest of our lives attempting to obey. Let's be a people who continuously acknowledge our need for God and ask God to work in our lives as we seek to grow in Him through obedience day by day. I love what Paul writes in the letter to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 29 of that letter. He says, For this I toil, struggling with all His, that is God's, energy, that He powerfully works within me. If it feels like toil or struggle, Paul's right there with you. But it is with God's energy that He is powerfully working within you. I'm sure each of us have or will face situations in this season where we feel like we are at the end of our rope. Praise God that He is the one who is working in us. I pray that one of the outcomes of this season is that each of us are drawn to a deeper dependence and reliance on God. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you're each doing well. And we hope you can join us for service online tomorrow. And then we'll be back on Monday with another short devotional. So stay tuned.